You are listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a show covering the hometown Milwaukee Brewers as we analyze the roster, report on the latest rumors, and discuss their quest to bring the World Series trophy to Milwaukee for the first time. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Go. Hello, Brewer fans. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Peter Go. David, before the mics were hot here, we were talking about how we listen to so many podcasts that flow in so nicely on the introduction. I always somehow muddy my way through into the first topic. So uh, we'll try some new things, throw some things at the wall, see what sticks. First off, David, Brandon Woodruff's season ERA is 3.26, but more importantly, he's got a 4.02 ERA as well. That's right. 4.02 ERA for Brandon Woodruff. That is when pitching on artificial turf this year, three starts, 15 and two-thirds innings, and a 4.02 ERA on artificial turf. Four stadiums left across baseball with artificial turf, and Woodruff has pitched worse on those than he did on or does on grass. Does it mean anything? Not really, but it is a stat. So we wanted to start off by giving you that stat so that next time Brandon Woodruff pitches on artificial turf, maybe in the postseason, Maybe next year, you can tell your friends he had a 4.02 ERA in 2022 when pitching on artificial turf. Today we have it set up a little bit differently, so I'll ask a trivia question to Peter, see if he knows this one. Rowdy hit his 30th home run of the year this past week. When was the last time a Brewers first baseman had 30 or more home runs in a season? We'll have that answer for you at the end of the episode. See if Peter knows the answer. Of course, he had Prince Fielder all those years. I'll give you a hint. Prince Fielder is not the last one to do it. But it was sometime within that range of between Prince and Rowdy, I guess, between the two the two large human beings that the Brewers had occupying first base. So, David, obviously, as we're middle of September here, every game means a lot more for the Brewers. Overall, a pretty successful week. I think the Brewers are quietly picking up a little bit of steam in in September like they often do. Brewers had a pretty good week Sunday, uh, finishing off the Red Series, taking care of business there in that game, uh, splitting two games against the Cardinals, and then a nice two out of three series win against the Yankees in town. Of course, we got to see Aaron Judge hit home runs 58 and 59 on the season. He had a a shot at, at number 60, um, today, Sunday, as we're recording this, unfortunately, only hit a double that at-bat. Um, but he's on his quest for 60, which looks highly likely. Um, and, and it was fun to see the Yankees in town. You were mentioning last time that we were at a Brewers-Yankees game where the Yankees were in town was Derek Jeter's final season, which I know we were at one of those games. Um, barely got a chance to see him, I, I think, just one at-bat. Uh, but it's 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 a lot of fun to see the interleague play more common now, even Pulling up the game today, seeing Yankees versus Brewers was just a weird feeling seeing that go on. It's just so rare. So anyways, Brewers had a good week. Two out of three against the Yankees to finish it off. And Brewers are seeing themselves now uh, just two and a half back from the Padres for the second wild card and two games back from the Phillies who have been faltering lately. So David, what were your thoughts on, on the week and the Brewers' overall success? I was pleased overall. They played two fairly good series, and they've really been playing pretty good baseball as of late. We've been spoiled in past years with Craig Tember coming and the Brewers running off a a streak where they go 20 and five or something crazy like that. But once you get past that first road trip where they, they did not do well against Arizona and Colorado, 
took two from the Giants, took two of three from Cincinnati, split in St. Louis two-game set, and then took two out of three at home against the Yankees. And that has gained a little bit of ground for them in the wild card race. The Phillies have lost four straight. The Brewers now playing a little bit better or positioning themselves to the point where they're within striking distance and definitely could overtake the Phillies or even the Padres at this point for one of the wild card spots. I think the highlights of the Yankees series were that Friday night comeback down 5 nothing early, Garrett Mitchell walking it off. That was one of the best moments of the year, seeing Clay Holmes blow the game again at Miller Park. If you think back to the players weekend, I, I don't even know what you call that. Um, implosion, I guess, would probably be the right word. A few years back when you walked Jordan Lyles in the 15th inning with the lead, all he had to do was not allow the relief pitcher to reach base. But then he allowed that he allowed that Garrett Mitchell walk-off single. Brandon Woodruff threw eight innings on Saturday against the Yankees, allowing just one run. That was one of the biggest pitching performances of the year. Then even Sunday, they put up a fight. I would say the biggest highlight of that game, though, was the toy tractor giveaway for kids. I don't remember them ever doing a toy tractor giveaway, and I'm a little bit jealous of the kids. You know what they say, that kids nowadays have it so easy. I never was able to get a, a toy tractor giveaway at a Brewer game, or else I definitely would have been at that game. Yeah, absolutely. I think they've uh, stepped up their uh, kids' giveaway since uh, since our time. Uh, the bullpen car. They had the bullpen car, but no tractor. So they've they've stepped it up, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's well needed in the Midwest here. So, uh, like you said, good summary of the week, and, and the Brewers are playing well. The, the other thing that is optim- I'm optimistic about is not only are the Brewers playing well, but they're also not just chasing the Padres. It felt like to me, that they were likely facing, um, really having to chase down the Padres. But with the Phillies faltering here, they now have two teams within two and a half games. So both of those uh, are, are fair game in, in the Brewers trying to catch up and steal a spot here in the wild card. So that's that's a good thing as well. The Brewers currently, according to fan graphs, have about a 32% probability of making the playoffs. Interesting that uh, 538, a little bit lesser known uh, website and, and system, gives them a 40% chance. But I'm still feeling optimistic the Brewers have a shot at making the playoffs. And certainly if Brandon Woodruff keeps shoving uh, the way that he did, eight innings, one run against a a very good team in the Yankees, a lot of fun to see as well. Brewers should be getting some help back as well. A couple of their key arms, two lefties in Aaron Ashby and Eric Lauer, as well as Freddie Peralta. The Brewers certainly look like a different team when you add that trio of pitchers back, David. So when can we expect Ashby, Lauer, and Peralta back this season? Both Aaron Ashby and Eric Lauer threw bullpens over the weekend, which seems to indicate that they'll be ready to go pretty soon. Council's optimistic that all three of them, including Peralta, will be ready to go at some point before the regular season ends, Ashby being the furthest along. So it, it seems like the expectation is that Ashby will be back this week. But in the bullpen, he he won't be fully built up to be in the rotation. And then the in all likelihood Lauer will be back probably early next week looking at maybe the St. Louis series. Hopefully we see Freddie back soon as well. Of course, big pieces of the rotation and of the staff. We saw a little bit what can happen with these depth arms with what happened during today's game. Jason Alexander, not a great outing against uh against the Yankees. Hobie came in, wasn't his sharpest. Luis Perdomo. I think actually the highlight of that game was watching Perdomo allow his home run to judge 
Perdomo threw a slider middle-middle that he was trying to throw down and away. Narvaez looks down at the ground and is buries his head into his glove. And Perdomo looks back, throws his arms up in the air. Uh, I guess we're not on, on video, so you can't see me. But threw his, his arms up over his head. Like I don't even know what, what the reaction was. Was it, how did he hit it that far? Was it, why did I make that pitch? Probably some of both. But it, it kind of shows what can happen when you give higher leverage outings to those t- types of pitchers. So having those arms will be crucial in the Brewers' hunt to chase down the Phillies or the Padres for the postseason. Yeah, I mean, think about the Brewers' odds of winning the game. I was looking at day-to-day odds of, of winning each game, and when you have a, a matchup, pitching matchup of Corbin Burns and Jason Alexander, I don't have to be a, a, a diehard fan of the Brewers or the Yankees to, uh, to, to know who to expect to win that game. And the Brewers even started off up 3-0. They put up a three-spot off. Garrett Cole, one of the best in the game in the first, and unfortunately couldn't convert that to a win. Um, I would just like to point out that you said Corbin Burns against Jason Alexander instead of Garrett Cole. Same same but, difference. Yes. We get our uh, – well, actually, yeah, I was going to say we get our Cy Young Award winners mixed up. Garrett Cole has never won a Cy Young. So, clearly, Corbin Burns, the uh, – superior to well i would say that's accurate probably cole is like a 3.4 era this year but we can move on from our injury update as we ramble on about garrett cole's cy young awards yes yes so thank you for that correction garrett cole not the corbin burns in case anybody was confused on which team corbin burns was on he is still a brewer so david our second second topic second question i have for you today andrew mccutcheon he's a veteran player, veteran player in the clubhouse, one-year deal, likely probably going to part ways with Brewers at the end of the 2022 season. Do the Brewers continue to keep giving him regular everyday at-bats? It was expected as we went into the season that he'd get a lot of the time at DH, get a little bit of time in the outfield. At this point in the season, the Brewers still pushing for playoffs. McCutcheon's had over 530 plate appearances, which is up there among some of the top on the team, but a 97 weighted runs created plus, which again, 100 is average. So he's essentially been a below average hitter for the Brewers, again, veteran, one-year contract, probably on the way out at the end of the season. No disrespect to McCutcheon, of course, the excellent career that he's had. But at this point, he's an average hitter at best. Um, not going to make the. I'm not going to argue against him batting against lefties. I still think that makes sense. But other guys who have had better weighted runs created plus this year include, of course, guys like Runfro, Adames, Telez, Yelich. But even guys with less plate appearances, but still more success, Keston Hira, Mike Brasso, uh, Urias, even Wong, uh, Mark Mario Feliciano, if you count two games. But my point being here, there's been several hitters that have been better than McCutcheon, and McCutcheon continues to get playing time. Are the Brewers better off with McCutcheon? I'll have two questions here. Are the Brewers off better off with McCutcheon playing now regularly in 2022, and are the Brewers better as a, a team and organization continuing to give McCutcheon regular at-bats when we could be giving at-bats to guys either like Hira, Brasso, or even younger players like Mitchell? I, I I am not on the Andrew McCutcheon hype train. I think that, that that kind of came and went in the first couple months of the year when everyone was excited to get Andrew McCutcheon. Like he's a former MVP. We have former MVP on the Brewers, but he's also aged Andrew McCutcheon. He's not prime Andrew McCutcheon. We still paid him to hit and hit lefty specifically, but he has a 699 OPS. You mentioned that. 
He has a 748 OPS against lefties, which is a little bit above average, but a far cry from the over 1,000 OPS he had against lefties last year. I mean, I think it, it might still be worth it to play him against lefties, but even that I'm a little bit less sure about, especially the, the players that he takes playing time away from. He DHs. Typically, if he doesn't DH, Keston will DH. Keston has a 798 OPS this year. Keston is under contract for next year. McCutcheon is not. Or they'll maybe play Kutch in the outfield, have Yelich DH, get him off his feet a little bit, Renfro, uh, Renfro off his feet, something like that. They also, with the way they mix and match guys, could have him taking at-bats away from Luis Urias, possibly. Urias has been okay this year, OPS slightly over average, and a little bit above average defense at third base. But it, it's much more important to get Urias at-bats than for McCutcheon to get at-bats. And over the past month, McCutcheon's hitting 180 and slugging just 308. So I think when you look at that, too, he's he's declined throughout the year. I am not really a fan of playing Andrew McCutcheon more than really as a backup, as a bench player, maybe against against some lefties. That's That's about the extent of Andrew McCutcheon playing time that I would be in favor of. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think it's really too difficult to figure out when you realize that here has been hitting right-handers better, McCutcheon's been hitting left-handers better. Why would we? And like you said, here is going to be back next year most likely. Why would we be starting McCutcheon against righties? That that to me is a, a no-brainer in my opinion. I think you can make the case to say McCutcheon should still continue to hit against lefties, but against righties, to me, it should be Hira or like you said, get more at bats for Urias. Brasso, however you want to shift that around, uh, Peterson even. But uh, there's really no place, in my opinion, for McCutcheon to start against righties. So we'll see what the Brewers do here in the next couple of weeks. It's been interesting. I think there's been some debate over decisions made by council, both on the offensive side of things with Andrew McCutcheon, but also defensively, uh, excuse me, pitching-wise on council's rather quick hook. We've seen a few times, of course, the Freddie no-hitter, uh, Corbin, excuse me, not Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff uh, in that uh, seven-inning outing in Colorado where he was cruising. Brewers take Woodruff out, of course, worst possible uh, series of events. The Brewers blow a five-run lead out of the bullpen. So there's been some debate about Council, the way he's managed the team, again, like I said, on both sides of the baseball. But let's focus on pitching. Does it seem to you that Craig Council is taking out his pitchers too early and he needs to have more trust in his starters? Or what are your thoughts on that? I think he does sometimes. So I I have some stats, and I would add that I think stats aren't always the most helpful when talking about this because there's more that goes into the decision of taking out a pitcher or not than just stats. Uh, and I also would like to mention, I know on the Brewers Unfiltered, the, uh, their official, the official Brewers podcast, they did talk about this this past week, and that's kind of where I got the idea of this topic from uh, just in for those who may listen to that one as well. Um, you uh, just so you're aware that I'm also aware of those, uh, some of the things that they talked about on that, they didn't give a lot of stats, but this year Brewer starting pitchers have a 4.52 ERA when facing opponents third time through the order. So I think, I think Craig council or, and, or the front office tend to make it seem like, the Brewers are just terrible a third time through the order. We should pull pitchers. 
as soon as they get through the third time through the order, as long as they're not, um, as long as they're not cruising, that they should be taken out when they get to that point. I, that's a pretty general stat because it's different when Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff is going third time through the order than if Eric Lauer or Adrian Hauser is, or Jason Alexander for that matter. I really would never be in favor of Jason Alexander seeing a lineup for the third time. Um, but if you look at Corbin Burns specifically, when Burns gets to the seventh inning, opponents are hitting just 136 off of him in the seventh inning. He's only been allowed to pitch into the eighth inning three times this whole year. So Burns has had success in the seventh inning, the eighth inning in the limited time that he's been given there. Hasn't really, I mean, he hasn't really had that opportunity. I understand sometimes the pitch count dictates that. Burns has thrown over 100 pitches in the majority of his starts and has gone as high as 115. So I understand that a little bit when he's up in that 110 range. You don't bring him back out for the eighth. But also, now's the time that you really have to push to make the postseason. I think one consideration when you look at it, too, is that we have Jason Alexander starting. Because of the off days that the Brewers have, they've been able to utilize a four-man rotation. But the one downside to um, to having Alexander, well, there's more than one downside, but one of the downsides to having Alexander in the rotation and right after Hauser also, who is a little bit inconsistent as a starter, it often taxes the bullpen. So getting every inning that you can out of Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff is going to be beneficial not only for that game but also for future games when you have a little bit more of a well-rested version of Taylor Rogers or Matt Bush or Devin Williams yeah I really like what you brought up there about the bullpen being potentially taxed in a in regards to Hauser um, and Alexander starting back-to-back not not to say the Brewers should you know put Brandon Woodruff as their three starter but it is worth noting that they're going to be more taxed on Alexander start in general. And the other thing to note is that we got to remember what the Brewers bullpen looks like. It's not that the Brewers have a terrible bullpen. We still have Devin Williams, who's one of the best relievers in the game, but it's a completely different bullpen than I think Brewers fans are accustomed to. We don't have Josh Hader anymore. We don't have, you know, the Corey Knables and the J- Jeremy Jeffress. We've got Devin Williams, who's excellent in the ninth inning. We've got Boxberger, who's been very, very good. And then you've got Matt Bush, uh, Taylor Rogers. We've got some good arms. Again, bullpen's not bad. But I think you also have to remember, this isn't the bullpen-heavy team that the Brewers had back in 2018 when the bullpen was carrying them and the starting pitching was just trying to get them a couple innings. It, it was whether the starting pitching could get to the bullpen. It's completely different now, especially when we're talking starts of Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, which I think this conversation needs to be almost two separate conversations. One about Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, and I think there's you can absolutely make the case that they should be pitching deeper in the games. You shared some stats yourself. I think that part of the discussion is quite clear. The Brewers should be relying more on Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, especially knowing that we just have a few weeks left. This is this is what they're playing for uh, to make to make playoffs. Uh, that's who we want the ball. You know, we want the ball in Burns and Woodruff's hands. So I think that's the first conversation. I think absolutely they should be getting the ball more. Again, Alexander Hauser. You can even lump Lauer in there if you want. Third time through, not going to be super excited. Maybe Lauer, uh, but those other two guys, probably not. So I think it's almost two different discussions around which you know which tier of starting pitching are we talking. And I think it's pretty clear Burns and Woodruff should be getting the ball more. 
And I think the way that they've been handling it with the bottom half of Alexander Hauser, and if you want to lump Lauer in there, I think they've overall handled that that pretty well. Anything else that you would add to that, David? Yeah, the other thing I would note is that Woodruff, um, he has pitched into the seventh inning six times, but the sample is pretty small on that. He hasn't been great, but he was really good pitching into the seventh inning or later in both 2019 and 2021. And Woodruff's only been allowed to throw more than 100 pitches in four out of his 24 starts. And especially considering Woodruff is, as a pitcher, pretty old school workhorse guy that you can ride deep into games. Got a pretty deep pitch arsenal. He's someone that you want to see going seven, eight innings, especially on the games that he's on. Don't pitch him deep into games just for the sake of pitching him deep into games. But when he's on, he is a better pitcher than Taylor Rogers or Matt Bush or or Brad Boxberger. Plus, you're going to potentially keep them healthier and more effective in future games. So I think you do need to ride Burns and Woodruff. It gets a little tricky, I think, when you look at the other pitchers. Alexander, I think, isn't really a, a conversation. He shouldn't really ever go more than two times through. And Hauser, I think when he's on, when he's really on, you you ride him as long as you can. But I, I don't have the faith in Hauser. I don't think that Council does or really that he's merited the, the same faith that you have in, in Brandon Woodruff or in in Corbin Burns. I think with Freddie Peralta, that health dictates it a little bit. I don't think this really a conversation we have to have this year. Eric Lauer coming back maybe a little bit earlier. What's interesting is that Lauer has really struggled in the fifth inning of games this year. Does that mean anything? I don't know. I don't know how big the sample takes to to materialize or to normalize, but in fifth innings, he's thrown 22 innings, 24 of his outings, 6.55 ERA in the fifth inning. But then after that, he settles in more in the sixth and seventh innings, presumably in the games that he's on and he's pitching well. So perhaps you have Eric Lauer pitching really well. You ride him sixth, seventh inning, maybe more, but at least a little bit longer than perhaps just pulling him because he's struggling a little bit in the fifth inning. Are those numbers that the Brewers look at? Probably, but if they are, it seems like they're they're sticking to them a little bit religiously um, when looking at, well, Matt Bush has a 3.17 ERA when, when coming into the game versus Eric Lauer's 3.53 when he's facing this spot in the order this time through in the sixth inning. But just because that's the case doesn't mean that that's actually the right decision because maybe Lauer's on that day and you don't know if a reliever may be on or off until he's already in the game. Right, right. That is always a challenging piece. And there's not the fact that, you know, okay, let's let's say we're talking Lauer and Bush. You know, the, the, the three batters do up in the seventh are all lefties. Well, then Lauer's ERA of 3.5 versus Bush's 3.2. And again, these are all just made up. That doesn't apply either because what's the matchup? And, and is there a matchup that's more favorable for Lauer or a matchup that's more favorable for Bush? So there, there's so many factors there's, you know, like you were saying, David, on the unfiltered podcast, talking about the ballpark effects of Colorado. Again, not measurable by just like comparing ERA. So there's so many factors um, and, and just overall attitude health. We also don't know how Brandon Woodruff's feeling. Maybe that's why we're seeing him pitch less, you know, 100-plus games. I'd like to see him pitch more deeper into games. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe he's a little bit dinged up and, and is at a point where he's not able to, to – 
throw as much. I don't know. So those are always things that we don't know as a fan base and council and the front office obviously do. So um, kind of interesting there. I, I think it's, it's kind of to summarize. I think you're absolutely right that it's a different conversation for Burns and Woodruff and, and Freddie's probably doesn't apply at the moment. And Alexander is pretty obvious. So it's really comes down more to Lauer um, at this point. But at this point, I, I think Craig Council's proven himself in September, proven him, himself as a manager. Uh, we'll see that the moves that he continues to make um, going on. And again, Brewers two back from the Phillies, um, two and a half back from the Padres. The Phillies will be playing Toronto and Atlanta next. So pretty good competition for a team that is not playing well. Uh, could bode well for the Brewers. Um, and, and really could, you know, the way the Brewers are playing could be a couple of games and the Brewers could be up there with the Phillies uh, really close for that third wild card spot. The Padres, on the other hand, are playing St. Louis, another solid team. Not necessarily playing for a whole lot at the moment. Um, still waiting to clinch the division officially, but more or less have clinched it. And then they play Colorado after that. Brewers, on the other hand, have a pivotal three-game series here against the Mets. Uh, probably the most important series of the year thus, thus far, given the circumstances. That'll be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Brewers then jump right away into a four-game series against the Reds, which also obviously a very important series. But Thursday to Sunday, um, a series that the Brewers certainly need to take care of take care of business. But if the Brewers can win two out of three against the Mets and win the series against the Reds, I, I think it's pretty likely the Brewers are, are tied uh, in the wildcard spot. We'll see when we jump back next week. But with the way the Phillies are playing and, and playing Toronto and Atlanta, uh, if the Brewers can you know, win, say, five of the next seven games, I think it's pretty likely the Brewers are actually sitting uh, with a potential wildcard spot in a week from now. So, David, anything else that you'd add as, as the Brewers push here for the playoffs? When you look at the, the schedules that they have, the, the Mets series, I brought this up last week. This Mets series is going to be crucial. They took two out of three from the Yankees and have positioned themselves well at this point. But they only played two games against the Cardinals after that, after this Wednesday. And then the other four at Cincinnati, four at home against Miami, three against Arizona, all theoretically easy opponents versus the Padres who play St. Louis. They play the Dodgers still. They play the White Sox who are playing for the division um, before playing the Giants. And the Phillies have a big week with Blue Jays and Braves, but they also finish against the Astros. Now that can, that can change a little bit depending on who's playing for what at the end of the year. Are the Dodgers going to still be a difficult opponent late next week? Are the Astros still going to be a difficult opponent a little over two weeks from now? We don't know that exactly. So I think that 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 matters for sure. But it still is, of course, easier to play weaker teams. So I think I think the home games that the Brewers have um, are, are going to be pivotal. And if they can take two out of three from the Mets, I I think that the Brewers have as good of a shot to make the playoffs as I really have would have said over the past month. I think they're playing better baseball than I've seen them play really since early in the year, taking, taking some games against some pretty good teams and still generally beating the bad teams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, and the Brewers will, uh, of course, with the ground, being out, they they won't see Degrom. I don't see. I don't believe they'll see Scherzer either, either in that three game series against the Mets. Um, and then again, playing the Reds, uh, then the Cardinals, Marlins, and Diamondbacks. So overall, 
a relatively easy schedule when you look at the remainder um, of the games of the season. So Brewers certainly have a shot. Uh, that's that's for sure. And it'd be fun to, to see the Brewers appear in a wild card game this, this season as well. You actually mentioned that Scherzer's out, but he's actually slated to make his return Monday against the okay. Brewers. Okay. So DeGrom, DeGrom pitched Sunday, so the Brewers won't face DeGrom. But Scherzer, they will face. So in his first start back, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, they faced Garrett Cole on Sunday, and he went five innings, four runs. So if they can do that against Scherzer, I think we've got Hauser tomorrow. Hopefully, um, I guess I should check to make sure because I don't I don't know what they're doing. Are they going to go another bullpen day then? Yeah, I I didn't see any uh, probable starters for Monday. I missed uh, the the Scherzer news that he was returning that game, and then I didn't Scherzer- see a Brewers probable either. It's Scherzer Burns on Monday. Then, then the Brewers face Carrasco Tuesday, Taiwan Walker on Wednesday. It looks like the Brewers are going with Hauser on Wednesday, but a bullpen day on Tuesday, I think, unless they call someone up. So that's interesting. Interesting um, strategy, too, if you think about the Brewers. You know, do you start Burns against Scherzer? Or do you throw the bullpen game against Scherzer? Do you? It's it's kind of the old. Do you do the the Burns Scherzer matchup, or do you do you do you throw the bullpen game like when you know you're facing one of the best? I I definitely would throw Burns because Burns is a better pitcher than Scherzer. So it's not like we're talking about throwing our best pitcher Jeff Supon or who El Gallardo. Yeah, Chassin. Um, Chassin was just DFA. Maybe they'll claim him and activate him to start on Tuesday. I'd love to see that. Yeah, he's probably not in the budget though. <laughs> yeah. As long as as long as we don't see Trevor Kelly in the bullpen day, then they have a chance. That that is true. So that is true. Yeah. Could, and I, 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 or I'd they like could they could option him and call up small, maybe. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. But I don't also don't know how I feel about taxing the bullpen especially with Hauser throwing the next day. And you never know what you're going to get out of Hauser. Yeah, I, I agree. And looking ahead to it, I think the Brewers have Alexander slated to pitch perhaps in that game two of the Red Series on the 23rd. Hopefully Lauer's back at that point. I would like to see Alexander no longer start any more games um, this year. I'd love to see Lauer in his place, Peralta, the bullpen, Chassin, Supan, anybody at the moment uh, over Alexander. No offense against him. I know he's uh, the expectations for him were not to be starting this many games, that's for sure. Um, so he has still exceeded expectations, no disrespect to him, but I would much rather see Lauer. And I think that's a big, uh, I think it's circled on the calendar for the Brewers of the 23rd if Lauer can get back and get healthy to try to make that start. Do you think Jason Alexander gives the Brewers a better chance to win than Ethan Small? I would say on the surface, I'd probably say yes at the moment, only because of the lack of the, just a lack of experience that small has. Um, if he had more experience then I would say probably small, but it's probably a, a bit of a toss up. And I guess on the one hand, if you throw small out there, he does get some experience, even if he does get battered around. I mean, we saw Ashby, we saw that happen to Ashby. Um, Birds and Woodruff certainly had their share, even Peralta as, as young pitchers. So, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing, but I would probably like to see him get some time in a non, uh, not as high or high leverage start, I guess, 
as late September baseball, but sometimes that doesn't always that doesn't always work. So I don't know. I guess uh, I'm right. Surface. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Alexander's past few starts, I mean, he 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 made his he's made four starts in recent weeks: three and a third, three runs; five innings, one run; four and two thirds, three runs; and five and a third, five runs. And then I think today. This isn't on here. So I think today he went like three and two thirds, five runs. That was like a nine ERA. I mean, small as a mid fours ERA this year. Walk rate is high, but strikeout rate's high also. Is it time for Chichi Gonzalez? Could... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Um, bring Gio Gonzalez out of retirement. Yes, that would be great. Um. Yeah, I would say see I would I would prefer to see small. Then again, we only have 3 starters, so I guess you could call up small and you still have room for him in the rotation. I I guess I would probably option Kelly and then bring up small and have him be the the bulk guy of a bullpen day. So you don't expect him to throw more than 3 innings realistically and tell him that going in 3-4 innings is really all that we're expecting out of you. And then as soon as someone comes back, then then whoever pitches worse, smaller Alexander, then you you relegate him to the bullpen. I don't yeah. know. It's a difficult that's a difficult thing, especially at this time of year. Yeah. No, you're right. I didn't realize that uh, Alexander I, I mean I know he hadn't been pitching well, but when you put it in that perspective of a nine ERA yeah, I mean could small certainly go in and just have a blow up first inning and, and not be able to get out of the first maybe sure but alexander could equally do it too so i guess you make a pretty good a compelling case i guess for small i don't think it's likely we'll see it but um it seems like the brewers like to play it safe uh hence i guess safe whatever you however you define safe um hence the chichi gonzalez starts in in 2022 um for the brewers so again brewers will be fighting for that wild card <laughs> spot uh david let's circle back to our trivia question of the day Yeah, today's trivia question was, who was the last Brewers first baseman to hit 30 home runs in a season prior to Rowdy Telez? Yeah, I was thinking back to uh, the many, the just outstanding first basemen the Brewers have had uh, since the Prince Fielder era, Mark Reynolds, Ryan Healy, Chris Carter, uh, who did hit more than 30 home runs. I believe he had over 40 home runs. Um, but I don't believe that is the trivia question answer because... Mm-hmm. I believe Eric Thames did reach the mark of 30 home runs during his time with the Brewers. That is correct that Eric Thames did reach 30 home runs in 2017, but Aguilar did it in 18 with 35. So you were wrong, unfortunately. <laughs> but there are there are some great names if you look back at the, the first baseman. Andy Wilkins, Jason Rogers, Matt Clark... Juan Francisco, Sean Holton, Blake Lolly, Travis Ishikawa, Matt Gamble, all in the time since Prince Fielder. So some great, and I'm sure I'm missing some, Tyler Austin. Who would have thought? But Rowdy Tellez now, yeah, stable, stabilized yeah. the position. Yeah, and who would have thought that Garrett Cooper, uh, when you when you think about all the names that, of, of those players, some of those came up with the Brewers, a lot of them didn't, but 
Garrett Cooper was uh, probably a better career than almost everybody you just listed, which was shocking for a guy who seemed to mm-hmm. be destined to just sit up in AAA for a couple of years before he retired and uh, certainly turned mm-hmm. into a productive player. That's... Yeah, true. True. Also, how does Rowdy only have 0.8 wins above replacement this year? I get he's a first baseman, and he's only hitting 224. 311 on base. But still, I mean, he has 30 bombs, 31 now, 461 slugging. And it's not like he's a liability at first base either. Yeah, I'd agree. I was surprised to see that. I actually I have had the a same thought earlier. Beef with war. Yeah, whatever. These computers. <laughs> these newfangled technologies and, and uh, stats these mm-hmm. days. But yeah, it, mm-hmm. it is interesting. 30 home run season. Uh, that would get him a little bit more money back in the day than uh, his .8 war would show. So David, as we wrap up today, what is our stat of the day? Today's stat is actually a fact. I, I'm not exactly sure how I stumbled upon this one, but I did. David Weathers... You remember David Weathers, the former reliever with the Brewers? I think he was a hard-throwing reliever, but he was Brewers teammates with John Axford, who was on the 2021 Brewers, and Doug Jones, who was on the 1982 Brewers. So spanning nearly 40 years, and arguably the two best teams in franchise history, and he had a teammate at some point in his career on both of those teams. And how did that happen? Well, David Weathers pitched from 98 to 01 with the Brewers. In 98, he was teammates with Doug Jones. Then he came back with the Brewers in his last year in 2009 at 39 years old and was teammates with Axford. Yeah, I see a perfect string of events right there. And then, of course, Axford coming back mm-hmm. last year. That'll <laughs> always be forever uh, one of our favorite trivia questions. John Axford of the uh-huh. 2021 Brewers. Uh, short-lived run there. But I, I enjoy that. We'll have to sometime go back and... Uh, see how many degrees it is to uh, Robin Yount or, or Hank Aaron or Tommy Harper um, and see. What, what, Tommy Har- Harper does not belong in that sense. <laughs> I mean, first, first all-star for the Brewers. That's, that's a classic trivia. Question. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he was, I, I guess the first, I, I, I won't even say star, but a first good player for the Brewers. So that's, uh, that's why I, I threw his name out there, but you are correct. Not quite equal to, the likes of Robin Yount and Hank Aaron, which actually Robin Yount, David, we were talking uh, a few days ago about, uh, remember he was the third fastest to 3,000 hits, if I'm remembering off the top of my head here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Something which, like that, yeah. Yeah, which really shocked me. I, I didn't realize how quickly he achieved 3,000 hits, of course, came up as a young player. Um, would you say that if Jackson Churio broke that record, would you say that would be a successful career for him? I think given the expectations fans have put on him, No. <laughs> he'd have to beat Yount. Well, I guess if he beat Yount, he'd be the third fast. So maybe if he beats Robin Yount, then then it would be. All right. We'll <laughs> we'll we'll try to get some realistic expectations on on Trio, who actually, side note, actually was uh, called up to Double A. Um, you, David, you were speculating that that gives him a few extra games, a few extra at bats, since they've got a little bit slightly longer season. But unreal. Um, going to pull out a stat that I think you shared. One of uh, only a handful of players to have more than fifteen plate appearances at double a given his age and uh, the likes were i believe acuna and soto if i'm if i'm not uh, mistaken uh, yeah i think i think that's right um or maybe no harper harper was one of them someone can fact check us uh, either on way not either good, way he's a good yeah, players good, good at yes. the baseball 
yes, good at the baseball. Uh, so Churio will certainly be a topic of conversation um, in the off season and hopefully for a long time. But um, we'll we'll set the bar realistically and and say if he has a better career than Robin Yount, it certainly would be a win for the Brewers franchise. So on that note, again, Brewers sitting just two behind from the Phillies, two and a half back from the San Diego Padres for the wild card race. And we are in the middle of September. Craig Tober baseball. Brewers facing off a pivotal three-game set against the Mets. We'll see if uh, Burns gets the best of Scherzer. Got the names down there um, in game one of that series on Sunday. Uh, And with that, as always, this is Peter and David Go signing off. Go Brewers. Thank you for listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review our show on whichever platform you're listening on. If you enjoyed it, consider supporting us through the link down below. See you next time. Thank you.